Hello, and thank you for joining us today. I'm Laura Evans, and you are listening to Hope for the Hurting. Our mission is simple. We want to provide hope and help to those who are hurting, lost, lonely, and in despair. My background is in broadcasting and radio, and I'm joined by my dad, Dr. Irv Wolf, who, in addition to being a pastor for over 30 years, has a background in marriage and family therapy. Dr. Irv has authored two books, and he's currently the director of Wolf Counseling, where he and my mom offer telecounseling to individuals and couples. And today, it's your lucky day because we decided to do a bonus episode in our series, Finding Truth, Protection from Deception. Uh, last week, we discussed deception and the Antichrist. So if you missed that episode, please go back and check it out. Uh, but today we are focusing on the Enneagram and specifically its use within churches and Christian organizations. So before we dive into this, I'm going to bathe us in prayer because we've already had some attacks as we were trying to get this up and running. So I'm just going to cover us in prayer and then we'll dive in. Dear Heavenly Father, we just give this podcast to you. We ask that you would use it to um, help us communicate truth to our listeners and to help protect them from some of the deception that's even sneaking into the church. It's so heartbreaking, God, and it's infuriating at the same time that these lies are being going on inside of the churches, the places that we're supposed to be able to trust, to be fed the truth of your word. So I pray God that you would just give us wisdom. I pray that you'd protect us from any kind of satanic attack. I pray that your Holy spirit would just speak through both of us, both me and my dad, and that our listeners would take this information and be armed as they consider addressing these issues, either in their church or organization that might be using the Enneagram. And we pray all these things in Jesus name. Amen. As you mentioned, this topic is a bonus on the series of protection from deception. It's focused on the deception of a very popular assessment used in churches, businesses, clinics, and by a growing number of counselors. Mm. This assessment is called the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. And Laura is going to educate us on its origins and why it is dangerous. But let me start off by explaining what is the Enneagram. Yes. Because a lot of people have never heard of it. Right. The, the, Greek, the Greek words behind Enneagram is uh, Aenea, which is the Greek word for nine, and Gramma, which is written character, letter, or that which is drawn. And even that goes one step. It goes back to grapho, which is uh, all about scratching, scraping, grazing. The first way they used to write. Mm. Four years ago was when I was first introduced to the Enneagram. A friend had said, hey, you know, everyone's taking the Enneagram as kind of the latest personality assessment. So it's kind of being disguised as a personality assessment. You should really take it to figure out what your personality type is, how you're wired. And I was like, okay, you know, I've, I've taken the Myers-Briggs and I've Taylor Johnson. I've heard of all these different personality assessments. So I thought this is just the latest and the newest, but something about it didn't set right with me. I got my number and I'm like, eh, whatever. It just didn't do anything for me. And it also kind of was a little bit, um, gave me a funny feeling in my stomach. So I just left it, didn't do anything further with it. Well, then I just heard um, at the church that we attend, in Sioux Falls that they were promoting it and even had taught some classes on it in my women's ministry group that I'm a co-leader in. And it just didn't set well with me and all my bells and whistles were going off. So I dug in and I did some research on it 
And so, as I mentioned, the, the Enneagram is being promoted as a quote unquote personality assessment being used in many prominent churches, also Christian counseling practices, Christian schools, Christian organizations, but there's nothing scientific and there's nothing um, objective about it. Dad, I think that you have mentioned that you had prior dealings with the Enneagram through your counseling practice. How have you seen that affect Christian counseling in particular? Your mom and I go to a very large Christian conference for counselors called the American Association of Christian Counsel. In that group, there's 5,000 people in that group. One of the offerings that is now a hot, uh, a hot elective for people to sign up for is the use of the Enneagram. They have at least two electives now that they're offering on it. It's very subtle, and most of those using it have never explored the roots. Mm. They don't know what they're doing. Right. They just see it as being like Myers-Briggs type indicator. The latest, greatest. Yes. But it's, they're not discerning. But it's origins. It's occult origins. This is it. The Enneagram is not new. It goes back to, I believe, the early 1900s when an occultist through automatic writing came up with the Enneagram. I can't remember his name, but that's how it came to be. So it's not new. It's just new to Christians. It's been repackaged with a shiny red bow and delivered to Christian organizations and churches. Yep, yep, yep. What about it set off your bells and whistles? Like, why didn't you and mom jump on the bandwagon? Well, I saw what they were doing by assigning numbers. And now you're set in concrete. Yep. Your number, you're in concrete. You can never change. Right. You're going to be there for the rest of your life. Right. It's not moldable. Right. So your Irish temper or your tendency to be late wherever you go, well, just blame it on your number rather than taking ownership and trying to fix yep. those things. Yep. That's one of the things that, that said to me, wait a minute. Right. Where does sin come in? Right. We've got a sin nature. Yep. Yep. And I, I just have a real problem with letting a number define me rather than letting my identity in Christ define me. Exactly. So that's a, that's a red flag right there. Anything that tells you that your identity is anything other than as a follower and as a believer of Jesus Christ, a blood-bought daughter or son of the King it's, of Kings. It, it's shocking to me that PhDs, very educated psychologists, buy into this. Right. I think it's because their pride kicks in and they want the latest, greatest, flashiest. The Bible isn't flashy enough. You need to add a little extra this and a little extra that. It's pretty disheartening to have the organization that your mom and I have been part of, part of for 20 years now embracing this. Right. It's very discouraging. And, and that's why I, when I saw it, they were talking about it at Central. I couldn't believe it. I felt like someone socked me in the stomach because I love this church. They have been there for me and my boys when I was a single mom and when I went through a very difficult period with health. They've been there for me. They've stood beside me. And so in my, my plea to them, I've said, I love this church. You've been there for me. Like I, I coming, I'm coming to you from a place of, of love and humility and almost shock that this is what's going on within the church. Do you even know that this is being used? That was the position that I took it almost like you must not know. And I they think, don't. and I think the reason that people use it is because they trust the people that are presenting it to them. They trust the AACC, they trust Central Baptist Church where I go. 
They trust the, the Christian publishers that are producing these books. Zondervan and Lifeway Books are presenting all kinds of books on the Enneagram. So certainly all the strong Christians in those organizations, it must be okay if they're promoting it and they're supporting it. And that's where you have to be so discerning and so in touch with the Holy Spirit that you allow him to say, this is not okay. I don't care who's presenting it to you on a silver platter. It is not okay. And you need to be bold. This is a time for us to be lions and not sheep. We need to stand up even in the church to people that we we respect very much. You can do it from a place of humility, but you still need to address these issues. Yeah. yeah. And, and you know what? The majority is not always right. 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 Look at the spies who went into the promised land. Yeah. Just came back. Yep. Negative. Only two were positive. Right. And I mean, think about Nazi Germany. Oh, yeah. Everybody went along with it and it was it was diabolical. One of the valid psychometric tests that has been performed on the Enneagram, there's really only one that's been done so far. And it was by Dr. J. Mendenwald. And he notes, quote, the types seem to correctly identify how some people are, but in general, they are inaccurate and overly simplified descriptions of people. The secondary aspects of the system include the direction of growth, which is the alleged mechanism for spiritual growth, and they seem to be no more accurate than random chance. So really nothing scientific about this. The origins of the Enneagram are an esoteric mysticism, new age, and there's elements of occultism in it. The person who created the Enneagram, which you mentioned, are nine types or nine uh, personality profiles. And he admitted that he created this not based on psychology or any objective measurements, but he developed the nine different personality types via automatic writing. Have you heard of automatic writing, Dad? Yes, yes. There is nothing of God about that practice. It's an occult practice where you basically empty your mind and open yourself and allow the spirit world, that is the demonic spirit world, to write things through you. So it's very subjective and it's based on spirit slash demonic influence, much like astrology. That's concerning. Yes, it is concerning. And so we've, we've, we've asked the question, is the Enneagram dangerous? Well, what do you think, Dad? Uh, I, I mean, it sounds like it's coming in very innocuous. Like it's just a personality test. Right. To let you just get like, your guard down. Just like Myers-Briggs type indicated. Right. And, and it's anything but. When, when I was a pastor at uh, Crystal Even Evangelical Free Church, uh, we had an organization called Theophostics. Okay, I've heard of that. And that infiltrated the church probably 20 years ago. And uh, that very much a fat assessment. Uh, Theophostics was all about going into prayer, going into the, the, the dark place that, that you were in, mm -hmm. where you were abused or something traumatic happened, and visualizing Jesus mm. back in that traumatic episode. What's to say it's not a demon masquerading as an angel of light? So what do you think are the dangers of theophostic counseling? Because I've done that before. Yeah. A lot of it is, it's simply subjective. You have no objective truth. You don't know 
that Jesus was back there talking to you. Mm -hmm. And much like the apostics, the Enneagram also is not, it's not even rooted in psychology, but they call it a personality assessment. It's got no scientific psychological uh, rooting. If that's not the background of it, it's demonic. So I believe the Enneagram from what the research that I've done is a Trojan horse and it's been subtly brought into the church. It encourages users to find their truth based on their experience with the Enneagram and their assigned number rather than on the solid, irrefutable, objective truth of God's word. And the Enneagram from what the research I've done is not at all compatible with the, with the Bible. Its teachings are heretical. And a verse that I found as I was doing my research for this was second Corinthians 614, which says, do not be yoked together with unbelievers for what does righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness. And that's what we're seeing. Why would we use an occult tool in the church? And I think the thing that's so disheartening to me about this is we expect the world to use these kind of, of tools. But when we see it in the church, it's so, it, it brings up this righteous indignation in me that they have so dared bring this kind of debauchery into the church. And the books on the Enneagram for church use are written by liberal and progressive Christians and new agers like false teacher and penet. I can't even say this word, dad. Panenentheist. Yes. Richard Rohr. And what do what do they believe? They believe God is in everything. Trees, rocks. And this guy is a quote unquote pastor or maybe he was a priest, but he masquerades as a follower of Christ when nothing could be further from the truth. They're intertwining Christianity with new age concepts and teachings that focus on self-awareness, your true self and your true self supposedly has never been separated from God versus your false self, which is the idea that we created a false self where we only think we're separated from God. And so we just need to get in touch with our true self to reconnect with God. But that is not at all what the Bible says. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And there is nothing apart from Christ we can do to reconnect with God. So it's very anti-biblical. So this is, this is in summary, this is new age mysticism. It directly contradicts what the Bible teaches that we are all wretched sinners who cannot save ourselves. And that's why we need a savior. So once we accept Jesus as our savior, which we'll talk about at the end, by grace, through faith, our identity is in and through Christ and Christ, not ourselves, is where our focus should be. And I have seen, yeah, and in my research, I was doing a lot of research for this because I'm putting together an argument to church leadership, to the elders and our senior pastor, just pleading with them to get this out of our church. But I found that it's deeply deceptive and it creates division in homes, families, churches, because people cling to their number. They downplay their sin. First of all, they don't call it sin. They call, well, I'm weak in this area because I'm a number nine. And that's just how we are. So they're trying to say, well, you can't change me because that's just how I am. That's just how I'm wired. And of course, I snap at you when you do this because I'm a number nine. So rather than admitting, you know what? I had a bad attitude. I should not have spoken to you like that. I'm sorry I sinned against you. They don't admit that because they're a number nine. Of course, if you knew they were a number nine, you would just expect that. So you can see how this would wreak havoc on spouses, on children, in organizations when you use your number as your um, your crutch, your, your shield against having to admit fault. Yeah. 
There's no humility. If you go uh, and just look up the Enneagram symbols, you will see that they're eerily similar to new age and occult symbols. Mm. The Enneagram also seeks to replace the word of God in answering the questions of origins, meaning, morality, and destiny in such a way that it at least implies that the word of God is not sufficient for life and faith. So the Bible is okay, but we need to add a little bit to it. That's heretical. Yes, it is. How should believers respond if the Enneagram is being used in their church? And this is this really touches home because as I mentioned, I discovered recently it's being used in my church. And I'm just going to give you the step-by-step process that I've taken, that I've prayerfully taken. We've sought wise counsel. My husband and I have sought wise counsel from people who have been strong in their faith, mature believers. I sought counsel from you and mom, dad. John sought counsel from his uncle, who's a pastor, and his sister, who's a Christian counselor. And they all said, run, do not walk, run. This is, this is of the devil. So having done my own research, having sought wise counsel on it, I would suggest the first step for you is don't take my word for it. If you want to dig, dig further into this and dive into the history of the Enneagram, there's a website that I found to be very helpful and it's called midwestoutreach.org. This site, the people that run this site are completely committed to exposing false teachers and false teachings that have crept into the church. They're trying to purify the bride of Christ before Christ returns. The people that um, the people that contribute to this website all came out of the new age movement and God rescued them. God saved them. God opened their eyes. And who better to speak to the darkness that's coming into the church than someone that's been saved out of it. Amen. That being said, you can find out more information on the Enneagram by going to midwestoutreach.org. Uh, Secondly, compile your research into a humble, heartfelt letter, not out of pride, not out of uh, self-righteousness, but just a humble plea with your church. Ask a couple of mature believers who have discernment to review it for you, edit it for you. And then once you've got your neatly crafted letter put together, send it to them. And I would suggest a great point to include in your plea would be to ask them when there are so many valid, legitimate personality assessments available, wouldn't it be wise to use one without questionable origins? Exactly. That's kind of a no brainer. Even if you don't agree that it's got questionable origins, which if you do your research, I don't know how you can come away with that conclusion. But even if you don't agree, if it's a stumbling block to your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, just do away with it. Use something else. There's probably eight, maybe 10 different personality assessments out there. So why use one with questionable origins? And I'll tell you why, because someone on the staff has introduced it and they're digging in their heels because their pride is flaring. It takes humility to admit that they, they were an error to bring this into the church to begin with. So thirdly, my third point, after you've crafted your letter and got some feedback on it is to send your letter. I think preferably if you could print it out and put it in each of your elders boxes at church, if they have boxes that guarantees you that at least one of them is going to hear you. But if they don't have a physical box, you can email, but I would email to all of them, including your pastor, everyone on your elder board. I just think that when you send it to multiple people, a few, a few might dismiss you, but at least one or two are going to hear you and say, we need to look into this. And then finally, depending on how they respond, you need to pray for wisdom on, on your next step. What if the church and the Christian leaders are passive or disagree and they continue to use the Enneagram. And maybe you're even a member of this church. How would you handle it, Dad? Yep. Well, I've been a pastor. 
for many years, about 30-some years. And pastors and elders bear the responsibility of shepherding the flock of believers right. whom God has entrusted to them. Yep. As stewards, they'll be answerable to the Lord for the health of their flock. Mm-hmm. Here's what Hebrews 13, 7, 17 says. Obey your leaders and submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls. Wow. As those who will give an account. Yep. Let them do this with joy and not with grief. This would be unprofitable for you. Mm. Pastors and elders must know their flock. They, they need to know the spiritual food they're yep. being fed. To not do so is a dereliction of duty. Mm-hmm. And they'll be answerable to God for how they care for their flock. The verse says, obey your leaders, submit to, to them. What if your leaders are leading you down a wrong path and introducing you to things that they should not be introducing to you too? Yeah, there, there is a place for cutting ties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is saying, obey them when they're leading you in the ways of the law of the Lord. Yes. Not when they're leading you down dark yes. paths. We're in a position now where our senior pastor did finally respond to me. I got a response from him yesterday. And he basically said, we're not using it for the ways that you've described in your argument to me. That being said, I'm going to dig into the origins and just see, see what I find for myself, which is great. I hope he digs in and I hope the Lord opens his eyes. And I don't care if you're not using it for that purpose or not. It's still a cult in, in its origins. So it's yep. like, we have a Ouija board in our home, but we use it to serve cheese and crackers. I don't care what you use it for. It's still a cult <laughs> and it's still in your home. Well, we're not playing with it that way, though. When guests come over, we put our cheese and crackers on it. So I don't care. Like, that's not the point. So just be prepared for a lukewarm or even a dismissive response or maybe even no response at all. I I tried to do this the right way. I first initially approached the women's leadership team because that's where I found out about it. And they kind of dismissed me and passed me along to a junior pastor. She dismissed the fact that it had occult origins, which it seems like the senior pastor has done as well and said, but it's helped so many people. And I thought, really, really? So the end justifies the means. How is that biblical? Because Jehovah's Witnesses, Scientology, Wicca, astrology, horoscopes, crystals, hallucinogenic drugs have been credited with helping people. And Satan is described in the Bible as an angel of light. This is not a new tactic. And this line of reasoning is exactly how the Enneagram gained ground in the church to begin with. It, it's just, it's really disheartening. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit like if you find uh, like a bottle of Pepsi, and I put in two drops of strychnine mm. and offer it to you. Most of it is Pepsi. Did you want to drink it? No, absolutely. it would kill you. It would kill you. And I think ultimately it's decaying the church from within. Is this a hill to die on? And I think for each person, you've got to decide that. You've got to decide how much it's wove its way into your church, what kind of a response you get from leadership. And you need to prayerfully and wisely discuss that with your spouse. If you have a spouse, discuss it with your family and make a wise decision for us, for me and my husband, this is a huge issue. 
Because if church leadership has such a glaring lack of discernment that they have been deceived into embracing this occult tool, in what other areas are they being deceived? I just don't trust their judgment. And I think also weak leaders pave the path for deception and apathy within the church body. And the Bible says that leaders will be held responsible for those they shepherd. And you can find that in Proverbs 29, 12. It says, if a ruler listens to lies, all his officials become wicked. And James 3, 1 says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That goes back to what you were saying, dad, they will be held accountable for what they allow it's into not, the- It's not just any job. It's to be taken with, with high regard and high uh, fear, fear of God. We were talking about how the Enneagram tries to steer you away from sin and Christ. And you know, you've, you've always been connected to God. You just need to get in touch with your true self. And that's not what the Bible preaches. The Bible tells us through the gospel that we are all sinners and we are, are in need of a savior. And so each week we talk to you about how you can accept Christ as your savior and you can accept him through the ABCs of salvation. A is admit you are a sinner in need of a savior. Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It doesn't say for all have weaknesses. It says for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And B is believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 10.9 through 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. And it also says in John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, not through the Enneagram, not some other tool, but through Jesus and Jesus alone. And then C is call upon his name. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Dad, would you mind leading us through that prayer of salvation? Yes, I'd be honored to. But many people have been seduced mm. by seemingly innocuous practice, mm -hmm. like, like the Enneagram. Mm -hmm. uh, they think it's harmless. Uh, they think it's uh, worthwhile. But uh, it is a tool of the dark side mm -hmm. and a tool used by Satan mm -hmm. to get to, to get into the church. Yep. If that's you, friend, if you have been seduced by the Enneagram, uh, you need to wake up and realize this is not of God. No. So if you've never received Christ, I want to urge you to join me right now in prayer. Mm -hmm. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you as a broken sinner. Mm. I need you. Mm -hmm. My life is meaningless without you. Please come into my life. I believe in you. I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father but through you. Mm -hmm. So I'm coming to you. I'm calling on your name. I'm asking you to save me. Make me fit for heaven. Mm -hmm. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. And if you prayed that prayer, we would love to celebrate. You know, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. And so we want to rejoice too. 
So please share, share your story with us. And if you've shared your story with your friends and family and they've gone on to accept Christ as their savior, we will love to hear those stories too. We want to celebrate with you. So you can email your stories to wolfcouncil at gmail.com. And we'll also send you some materials to help you grow in your faith. Also, if you have people in your sphere of influence who are using the Enneagram, feel free to share this podcast with them or the research that you've done on your own based on some of the resources we've shared with you. So get the word out there. We need to expose the lies. The Bible tells us actually what was the verse that I was looking at that I thought was, wow, this is right on point about what we're studying today on um, exposing the lies. Ephesians 5, 11 and 12. Yes. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Mm-hmm. Rather expose them. It is a shameful thing even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. You, you tend to think, you tend to put your pastors and elders on a pedestal thinking that, well, they're super Christians, so I shouldn't be addressing them. I need to just obey. And if they think it's fine, it must be fine. No, they're on the same level as us. God has given them different gifts, but we're all fallen. We're all human. We're all vulnerable to being deceived. And if God has given you the gift of discernment, or he has opened your eyes and you're listening to this podcast and all your bells and whistles are going off, you need to be the watchman on the wall. You need to be that canary in the mine shaft. Maybe God has called you for such a time as this to expose it in your church and to purify the bride before Jesus returns. This is what we need to do. I would love to just shut up and find a new church, but I don't think that's what God's calling me to do. I think he's calling me to expose it. And I don't think that the pastors and the elders even know that it's being used in some of the small groups. So you need to get it out there. You need to expose what's being done in darkness. You need to expose those things. That's what Ephesians 5, 11 through 12 is telling us. So if this is um, just setting off all kinds of bells and whistles, we'd love to hear those stories too. Share, share with us how you've decided to handle this in your church or in your organi- Christian organization. You can email those stories again to wolfcouncil at gmail.com. You can find our podcast on several platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Current and past episodes can be found at wolfcouncil.com. And next week, we're going to wrap up this series. It's going to be our final episode. And so you're not going to want to miss this because we're going to put a bow on this package that we've presented to you, exposing the deceit that is pretty much everywhere around us, including within the church. So you're not going to want to miss that episode. And I'm going to close this out with a powerful verse from second Peter, second Peter two, one, but there were also false prophets among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will secretly introduce destructive heresies, even denying the sovereign Lord who bought them, bringing swift destruction upon themselves.